0: Today's Word of Scripture is 1 John 1-10, the incarnation of the Word of Life. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the Word of Life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make you, your and our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us all from sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Well, good morning, everybody.
1: This morning is the start of a new Bible series. We're going to be looking at the book of One John, First John, over the coming eight weeks until we get to the summer holidays. And when we arrive at the summer holidays, the, you have ten weeks holiday here, right? Um, is that right? School holidays, ten weeks. Well, until we get there, we're going to be looking at First John, and I think it's a phenomenal book. It is a short book, but there's so much depth and truth in this one book. And uh, on the basis of this letter of 1 John, there are two outstanding words that John uses, not only in 1 John, but in, in, his, in the, his other letters as well in the Gospels. And these two outstanding words, what he, he would have used are loving and truthful. And so John holds the themes of love and truth together. Uh, and I think it is such a wonderful uh, book to look at, but challenging. Um, so for example, truth. We have truth here represented by this, by this stone. We've got truth here. And it's, it's heavy, right? Levi, I need someone strong. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to give it to Levi to carry there we go. Thank you, Levi. I needed someone strong, someone with big muscles to carry this for me because I'm just a pastor, right? I just sit there at my desk all day, my, my strengths in my fingers on my computer, my knees perhaps with my brain, you know. But um, Lee, I needed someone strong to carry this. So truth is God's truth here. And as Christians, we are told to live by the truth, right? What is truth? What is truth today? Um, we, we live by the, the word of God, right? The truth of God. And we want to obey God's teaching. We come to church on a Sunday because we want to live by truth and to grow in the truth. Um, but there's a danger. The danger is, as Christians, is that we can just simply hold on to the truth. And if we just, uh, that's all we carry. It's the danger is for Christians today that we become narrow-minded and um, pharisaical. You know, Jesus didn't like the Pharisees so much because all they held on was the truth. And so, he is strong. What a guy. Then on the other side, we have, this is love. This is love here. And so, leave it. Can you hold that for me? Thank you. And so, we have love. And again, as Christians, we are told to, eh, just stand there. We are told to love. God is love, right? And we are told to love unconditionally. Uh, we have to love each other. That's what we looked at last week, right? Jesus says, do you love me? Go and, go and feed my sheep. Go and love other people. And so we are told to love Where's the danger? The danger is if you only carry this one, if you only carry love, then there's a problem with that as well. Because all of a sudden there are some Christians who respond to those who only carry truth and say, Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull away from that and we're gonna regardless, uh we're gonna love everybody, just unconditionally to the point where I'm gonna turn my brain off and stop thinking about truth. I'm going to be a lover, not a thinker. And there's a danger in that you are all of a sudden avoid those difficult, challenging passages in scripture where you're not able to really wrestle with them and work through them. And the danger is the Christians like who just hold on to this can become watery and liberal. And so, what we have to do is hold in the two in balance, right? This is where I need someone strong. <laughs> I need someone to hold them like that. See, let's see how long you can hold onto them. Okay? <laughs> Should be there. Uh, how long is my servant? Twenty-five minutes. Can you? Can you manage? <laughs> how? Uh, <laughs> okay. And so this is the child. Oh he's beginning. He's beginning. Oh okay, 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 okay. Should we, should we let him go? come on, Ali put that down. It's not easy, right? It's it's not easy. It's not easy. So can we try it again? You got that? He's had a rest. Okay, you've had a rest now. Okay, you've had a break. It's not easy to hold the two together. It's challenging, it's hard to hold them in balance. And so what you need is Christ to guide us through this. And so this is what John is saying. John is saying that he's writing the letter. Is it still heavy? I'm not living, I'm not doing anything here, really. <laughs> is that better? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you get I put it down. You get my point, right? John is saying that it's hard to hold on to. Thanks, Levi. Give him a round of applause. This guy's great, right? It's hard to hold on to both and to keep them in balance. And so this is what, what John is all about. John is trying to help us to navigate the Christian life um, and trying to hold these two concepts of truth and love in balance, which is not easy. If it was easy, churches would, you know, they'd be, they'd be packed out. They'd be, full of, they'd be full every week and there wouldn't be any conflict, you know, and we will just be... It'd be just amazing places, right? But churches do get it wrong, and Christians, we do get it wrong. And this is what John is saying. And in his context at the minute, when he's writing to the people there, they were wrestling with these concepts. How can we pursue the love of God and deal with the sins of the world in a way honoring to God and to Scripture? That's what 1 John is all about. There's a quote by an author, and He says this, Jesus is building an upside-down kingdom where outcasts have their feet washed, the marginalized are welcomed, and dehumanized, people feel humanized once again, where truth is upheld, celebrated, and proclaimed, where those who fall short of the truth are loved. I think all of us would agree that's a pretty amazing place to be. And yet it is so hard. Why is it so hard for us as Christians to be able to hold and maintain truth and love? And so one John wants to tell us, he says, hey, if you want to get to there, we need to look at Jesus. Keep looking towards Jesus, the way he lived his life and his teachings, and we'll get there. Jesus managed it. You see, in one In John 1 verse 14, it tells us that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Jesus is our example. You see, Jesus had this wonderful ability to meet with everybody, to love them, but challenge them. For example, Jesus amazed everybody by being willing to eat with tax collectors, which, um, you know, those people who were working with the Roman forces, which offended some. He also welcomed and ate with prostitutes, which offended others. He deliberately and tenderly touched lepers, which offended the religious. And yet he repeatedly ate with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, ensuring he was not biased. Jesus cared and loved for all people. Nevertheless, though welcoming and befriending all people, he still never compromised on the truth. He still challenged people. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, He was stunned by Jesus' love, and yet Jesus challenged him and said, stop sinning, and the guy's life turned around. Or the woman at the well, this woman who had to go and get water at noon, she was rejected by her whole village. Jesus came alongside her and tenderly just had a conversation with a woman, just a simple conversation, but told her to stop sinning, to go, and that whole village came to know Jesus Christ. 1 John holds these two concepts together, truth and love, when a time in John's life, their authentic Christianity was being challenged. You see, this epistle was written around 90 AD. So six decades after the life of Jesus Christ. He ascended, he went into heaven, and six decades later, this book was written not only to the second generation, but to third generation Christians who had never even um, witnessed or encountered Jesus Christ. And they were wrestling through some really important questions. For example, who exactly is Jesus? Can I have confidence that I am a follower of Jesus, a child of God, when I've never even seen him in person before? Do I really need to pursue holiness in my life? What impact does God's love for me uh, have for me? And how can I love other people as well? I think these are some great questions for us today in 2023. You see, there was a breakaway group of Christians as well, leaving the church. Um, We see in chapter 2, verse 19, It says, They went from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But they're going showed that none of them belonged to us. There's this this breakaway of Christians who uh, thought they knew different, had a different way uh, to do Christianity. They denied that Jesus really had come into the world as, as flesh, as a human person, but more of a spirit. And... It's what we would call a very early version of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism taught that the way to salvation was through gaining secret superior knowledge. And their secret knowledge is that all matter is evil and the spirit is good, which led to two extremes. You had ascetism, and ascetism was this uh, understanding that the flesh was so evil, like our bodies were evil, that uh, you, you needed to remove yourself from the world. The world was evil, material was evil. You had to remove yourself from the world. And so they would they would whip themselves and they would hurt themselves because of you know because we're so sinful. But they would also just take themselves away from the world, right? Live in a cave somewhere, live in the desert to get away from the evil world. Which in one sense I understand, but we are to be in the world, right? And the second. Uh, extreme view of this was licenselessness, which is a hard word to say. And it is basically because the world is evil, you can do whatever you jolly well want. The world's evil, then I can be evil. And so you had a license to do just anything you want. Live and be merry. And so John is wanting to combat these different understandings and these schools of thought also denied the deity of Jesus Christ how could Jesus Christ how can a God die how could he possibly die never never mind rise again and so John wants to combat this wrong thought and so why did John write the gospel of John John 20 verse 31 says But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That's why He wrote the Gospel. Why did He write 1 John? It says 1 John, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? John is writing the Gospels to us so that we can know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He came fully man and fully God. He died for us, which we'll look later on, and he rose again. This is the truth, and this is the love that Christ has for us. Now, if you were I don't know where you're going to get your hair cut. where do you get your hair cut here? You know, you're going to go to the barber's. And you sat in the barber's chair. And someone said to you, hey, wasn't it a wonderful Sunday on Sunday? It was sunny outside. It was, it was mothering Sunday. What did you do? And you said to them, oh, I, 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 love, I love God. I went to church on Sunday. And they said, all right, that's strange. Why, why would you go to church? I love Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? How would you respond to them? If they said to you, who is Jesus? Could you give a description of Christ to your barber or your fancy hairdresser or whatever? Just something to think about. John wants us to understand who Jesus Christ is. And he's got a very strange style in writing. Now, normally books in the Bible are linear and they'll go from A to B to C to D in their argument and structure. John has a secular way of writing. And so like this, this is a staircase from the, uh, from the Vatican and you go, there's the bottom and you work your way up the, sta- the spiral staircase. John's style of writing is like, is like a spiral staircase. And over the next coming weeks, we're going to revisit some of the themes as you go up and as you kind of continue to look out, you get a big picture of what John is communicating. But we may come across the same theme now and again. But every time John comes to a new theme, he comes at it from a different angle. So although we may, uh, he may repeat himself, he repeats himself in a different way. Just And as I think and it's important to know this. So as we go through the book, we get this wonderful picture of who Christ is in our lives but ultimately there are two basic values that he wants to communicate truth and love truth truth today what is truth i don't even think we know what is truth in the society today we say that we want to know truth in the court of law if you go to the court of law you have to swear that you tell the truth in the bible which makes no sense in my mind you've got to you've got to Tell the truth that you're going to tell the truth? Well, how do I? It's just, it's, it's a contradiction. I don't even think we know how to tell the truth today. Integrity and truth are in short supply today. Oh, love. I love hamburgers, but I love my wife. Like, what, I, what does it even mean? We've stripped the meaning of love today in today's society. Augustine of Hippo, one of the founding fathers of the Christian faith, he said this, um, within every human is a desire to experience a love that is transcendent. We want to know the love of God, the genuine love of God, and this is what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. What is love and where does it really come from? And so, that's a bit of a context. That's a bit of an introduction to the book, why it's written and some of the things that we can be looking forward to. But if you've got your Bibles, let's dive straight in to verse 1. And it says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the word of life being Jesus Christ. That which was from the beginning, doesn't it sound wonderful? From the beginning, from the beginning of what? My, uh, I've got two daughters, right? And we, I've watched so many Disney movies with them over the years. In England, it rains a lot. And so when it rains, you know, it's like a cold, bitter you know, kind of in pills in your eyes sort of rain. And so we watched a lot of Disney when they were little in the training. draining. And it, often these movies start once upon a time. It's like a fairy tale, right? But John is saying here that Christ isn't a fairy tale, but he's a real person. But this real person also originated at the beginning of time. Not the beginning of the world. Not the beginning of creation, Beginning of time before. Before there was anything, there was Jesus. Very, uh, it sounds very much like Genesis 1 or John 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And John is saying here, that which was from the beginning. The very idea that God, the eternal God who was at the beginning was able to come in flesh into the world as Jesus Christ. I think in my mind as a person, is just awe-inspiring. Who is this Jesus? Who was, at the beginning, who spoke everything into creation. And John is sending here my first point. This morning is that John is setting a reality for us. We need the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. We need the reality of who he is. He's not a fairy tale or just a good guy or a great teacher. But he's God. Sovereign God in the flesh. That which was from the beginning. And the implication of this is phenomenal. Because the eternal God suddenly came into the life of mankind for all of us to have access to. And it blows my mind. This God in the flesh, this is the wonderful character of Jesus Christ. But I want to take it to another level. Who is Jesus Christ today? Well, what does the Bible say about Jesus? Let's look at some Bible verses. It says here that Christ, as the Son of God, Jesus is the power of God. So the Jesus that we see in the New Testament has the power of God in him. And I've got Bible verses there, just, to sort, just so you know I'm just, just throwing anything at you. This is what the Bible says. As Christ, as a man, Jesus' power is from the Father. Jesus is described as being supreme over all things. It says in Matthew that all authority was given into the hands of Jesus. It says Jesus is unlimited. Jesus is over all things. Jesus is glorious. It says Jesus is everlasting. Jesus is able to subdue all things. Jesus is upholding all things. Isn't that encouraging that Christ upholds and sustains all? All things. So when I worry about life, when I worry about my anxieties or my problems or whatever, my situations, I know I'm able to give it to Christ. I was with a friend this week. He was worrying about something. I'm saying, like, listen, don't worry about it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Because we don't even know what it's going to look like. Trusting God. I think and on the next, at the end of the week, how did it go? It went out fine. Praise God. But... Our trust in Jesus Christ. He sustains us, upholds us. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus has power to perform miracles. Jesus has the power to enable other people to perform miracles. Jesus has power to forgive sins. Jesus has power over eternal life. Jesus has power to raise the dead. And it goes on. And I'm sure you, if you look at the scripture, could find other Bible verses in there that just describes the sovereignty and the majesty of Jesus Christ. That which was from the beginning is all of them things. The man who walked around in his sandals and his beard, that is Jesus Christ. Not some blue-eyed guy with blonde hair and good-looking and, you know, I'm sure he was all those things. But he's a lot more. And this is what John is saying to the people. Jesus Christ, that was from the beginning, is eternal. This is the Jesus that we're worshiping. This is the Christ that we come to church and we sing our praises to every Sunday morning. And it is this Jesus Christ that John had witnessed and lived with. And this is the central message of what John is talking about. And this is the central message of Christianity. This is what our faith is built upon. Do you know Jesus Christ? If someone asked you, can you, who is this Jesus? Could you describe to them who Jesus is to you? In verse 2, John tells us, the life appeared, we have seen it, and we testify it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, And as appeared to us, John had witnessed Christ firsthand and he's wanting, he wants to tell these other third, second, third Christians who Jesus really is. John stood at the cross. He Christ entrusted um, John to look after his mother. John was there when he went to the empty tomb with Peter. John was there when Jesus Christ was making the breakfast on the seashore and he told Peter, go and feed my lambs. John had walked with Christ and he'd ate with Christ and he'd, he'd just done life with Jesus Christ and he's well qualified to tell these Christians who Jesus is. Verse three, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father And with the Son, Jesus Christ, we write these things to make your joy complete. Today, I think one of the greatest diseases in society is loneliness. There are so many people who are lonely. Celebrities, sports stars, people who in the world's eyes, may have been successful and have made life, you know, they've got money, they've got success, they've got fame. And yet, there are so many celebrities who say that they've never been so lonely in all of their lives. All of those things that we hold dear to have actually made them so lonely and so miserable, pushed them away from humanity. We are created to be in relationship with each other, right? To be a community. This is why I love church. Not only on a Sunday morning, but in our life groups, in our house, whatever we call them, house groups. Doing church and life together is such a blessing. And the message of Christianity is not a philosophy or a story only. It is a person. Jesus Christ, a living, real person who walked the earth 2,000 years ago And the indwelling life of Christ is living in and through us. It says here, our fellowship is with you and with us, and with our fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Christ is living in us. And because we are united in Christ, we have fellowship with each other. We're a family. We are brothers and sisters, the Bible says, in Jesus Christ. We're a family. We have community, we belong together, and I think that is such a wonderful, beautiful thing to have in a time when people are so lonely I, I I really struggle with social media because we find our relationships on a screen. We find our relationships with somebody we don't even know don't even know where they are, and we kind of put these little I I don't know, I don't want to say names, but you know, we kind of put like blue thumbs or whatever on there and we think we've got friends. That's not friendship. Social media is not friendship. I think it's so hard. This is community. This is friendship. John is saying here that when we are in Christ, we have friendship with each other. We are brought into fellowship. We have fellowship with each other. We fellowship with God. And this tells me something very important about Christian, Christian unity. We are united in Jesus Christ. So we need reality. What's the reality? The reality is Jesus. But we also need, my second point is that we need integrity. And this is verses 5 to 7. It says, this is the message that we've heard from him and declared to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus is soon purifies us from all sin. God is light and there is no darkness in him. Now I think the image of light is very powerful. Light represents what is good and pure and true and, and, and holy and reliable. Darkness represents what is sinful and evil. The statement that God is light means that God is holy and pure and true and only he can guide us out of our sins. Light also exposes whatever exists, whether good or bad. And the light of God in our lives exposes whatever is good or bad in our lives. The Holy Spirit can Reveal to us the things that are going well in our lives. But it can also put that spotlight, that light on areas in our lives which we know we are failing in and that we, are, we shouldn't have in our lives. And that when the Holy Spirit does that, we can give them to God, what, whatever that may be, whether it's our temptations or our character flaws, whatever, and then we can give them to God. When we come into Christ, the beautiful thing about this is that he reveals those areas in our lives that are going well or bad, and we should give them both to God. and light helps us to grow a healthy. I, I, my wife and I are living in a beautiful little home uh, on drink water, and we've got this big fence and the fence has these big uh, carnivorous trees, huge big things they are and they're so big that the light doesn't get under the grass and the grass doesn't grow it's shaded and it's just stones the beautiful thing about light is that it helps things to grow where there's no light things don't grow right as healthy as they should it's the same with us in our christian walk if we're walking in the light of god then we will grow healthier and stronger but if we are actively walking in the darkness then we won't. But I like the word here, to walk. To walk is not the occasional slip because we all make mistakes, right? We're not made of wood. We all make mistakes. But it's about where we choose to live. I used to live in the south of England many years ago when I was a youth pastor. When I first started ministry, and we, my wife and I bought this uh, a home. And it was four miles outside of uh, Dorchester, it was called. And it was four miles outside of Dorchester. Uh, and it was lovely. You know, it was like a little country manor. We had an apartment in this country manor. It was beautiful, but it was a bit of a commute. And so we wanted to live in, this, in the town. And so we, we, we worked hard and we saved up and we bought a home in town. And we got the keys, I remember going to the estate agent and I got the keys and uh, to the house and I got into my car and I drove to my old house. I didn't drive to my new house, I went in autopilot because I've been driving back and forward, commuting every day, I drove to my old house and I got out of my car and I thought, wait a minute, I don't live here anymore. Who's ever done that? Who's ever got an autopilot and you've ended up thinking, oh my goodness, how did I get here? Or you just, you just drive home anywhere and you think, I, I don't even remember driving. I could have gone through 12 red lights. I don't even remember, right? Because your mind's somewhere else. My mind wasn't on where I was going to, but where I had been to. Now, what did I do? I got out of my car. Did I, did I then go into the, my old house? and sit down and get comfortable. I don't know how you get comfortable at home. Perhaps you take your trousers off and like sit and watch TV in your undergarments. I don't know. I didn't do that. Because I don't live there anymore, right? I didn't go into the fridge and get out the root beer. You don't get root beer in England, but I love it here. But you know, I didn't go in there and get out a drink and sit down and watch TV, I didn't do that because I didn't live there anymore. I lived somewhere else. And it's the same for us as Christians. When we're walking in the light, we have to understand that we have a new destination. We're walking in a new direction with Jesus Christ and we're growing. We don't walk in the darkness anymore. When we were before Christ, we were walking in the darkness. In Christ, we're walking in the light with God. And God is working in us and moving us. And we have to walk in the new direction God has set us. Where are we walking? In our Christian journey? Are we going back where we used to live? Or are we going in the direction God wants us to go? We need reality. We need integrity. And we need forgiveness. Verses. 8, 9, and 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My last thing is we need forgiveness. And there are three lies that we tell ourselves that John is writing about. The first lie is that if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, that is hypocrisy. Verse six. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. John is saying, well, that is self-deception. And the third lie in verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, We make him out to be a liar. That's actually calling God and his word um, lies. What is humanity's greatest need? It is the forgiveness of sins. It is our greatest need. It is the need above all needs. We need the transforming power of Jesus to bring us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Well, how can he do that? But verse 7 tells us here, one of the most beautiful verses. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is a beautiful gift that we can receive from the eternal God. The blood of Christ points us to the death of Jesus, to the cross where he died. And this is what the message of life is all about. We can have life because Jesus Christ chose death. Please don't ever think that the Bible is a story that allows us to get to heaven by being good. It doesn't. That's not right. That would be impossible. We get to heaven by recognizing that we are not good and that we have to trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ, who is both love and truth. Love, Christianity is all about love. The love of Jesus who died in our place. And it's about truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no one like Jesus. No one who loves like he loves you. No one willing to die the way he died for you. Forgiveness is what we need. And the blood of Jesus cleans us from the inside out and makes us new again. What a wonderful God we have. What a wonderful savior we have. We're going to continue and just... Praise now of God, but as we do that, there's an opportunity to take communion. Jesus died and rose again because he loves you. If the service can come out this morning, you know what you're doing, right, with all the bits and pieces. If you want to thank Jesus Christ for dying on the cross for us, if you want to thank Jesus in our hearts, you can do that in your seat. But if you want to remember that, by taking communion, that's fine too. The service will be here, and they'll serve you. Let us pray, and then we'll continue to worship God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much, that you stepped out of glory. You stepped out of the heavenly realms to come to earth as a, as a human, You came to earth so that we might know you. You came to earth because you love us. We love you, Lord, it says, only because you loved us first. We thank you for that reality. We pray, Lord, that as Christians, we may continue to live in in integrity and in the light. As you guide us, in your power. But we thank you that we're able to do this because you've forgiven us and that you enable us, Lord. I thank you for the community that we have. We thank you for your church, the gift. And I pray that we may continue to grow as friends here with a new life. And we may continue to grow in our relationship with you, Lord. We pray these things in your wonderful, glorious name. Amen.